Blackwood, a Gothheim tale, written by Clyde Davis. Narration and sound design by Alex Schiffer. Music by Josh Fisher. Episode 5, An Inquisitor Rests, and Conversations in the Fog. Blackwood sat by the window and looked out at the bank of fog that clung to the side of the inn. It was good to be in the company of his own thoughts, especially after all that had transpired in the room of Mary Shaw. The presence of the old ways dissipated quickly once the girl fell back onto the bed. The foul stink of an open grave vanished, and the natural state of things seemed to be restored. The Inquisitor and Apprentice had discovered Mr. Shaw unconscious on the floor by the bedroom door. The man was terrified, as any mortal who had faced such strange happenings would be and it took some time before Fee could settle the man and bring him to his senses. Blackwood asked the man a few questions once he seemed to calm down, but Mr. Shaw couldn't remember anything beyond the emergence of the shadow from behind the bed. Blackwood believed him, and the Inquisitor suspected the loss of memory to have something to do with the witch. At first, he had doubted whether or not a witch was at work in Westgrave despite his apprentice's reports. Witches were rare in this age, and there were countless other manifestations of the old ways that could explain what was happening to Mary Shaw. The recent events had changed everything. Blackwood was sure of the witch's presence now, and he rebuked himself for even being doubtful. Perhaps he was getting too old for this dark work. From what little detail Fee had told him whilst they were still in the girl's room, and comparing that to his own encounter, the witch's visitation appeared to be different for each of them. Simply considering the nature of his visitation, Blackwood feared the extent of the witch's power. Once Mr. Shaw appeared cognizant enough, the Inquisitor forced the man from the room and asked to be shown his lodging. It took some patience and coercion to get the man to cooperate, but in the end, no one could refuse or hinder the wishes of an Inquisitor. There was little else that could be done at such a late hour, and Blackwood needed time to examine everything that had happened. More specifically, he wanted to go over the strange vision. Despite the devilry behind the enchantment, Blackwood believed there was some truth in it perhaps a clue to the true identity of the witch, or even something the fiend wanted him to see. And then there were the witch's words, killer of children, child killer, the words repeated in his mind. How many children had been killed by his hand? It was a long time since he had stopped counting the number of magic-born children he pulled out of hiding and put to judgment. There were the inherents, too, all children in their own right. More child than adult in most cases. There had been so many over the years, 
You'd forgotten their faces. Yes, he was a child killer. But all done in the name of the Emperor is holy work. Those last words sounded hollow as he justified his work for the Citadel. They seemed to lose more substance as the years passed. The murder of children, regardless of the cause, was dark work. Yet, what he saw in that vision was not his memory. Was it the memory of the Baldurim he seemed to possess? Surely that wasn't possible. He absentmindedly looked out at the gloom as he pondered these questions. Regardless of the answers, he knew the magic used to conjure that vision was old and powerful. And if he listened to the growing alarm in his heart, he feared one inquisitor and an apprentice would not be enough to solve the problem in Westgrave. Blackwood stood up from the chair and walked away from the window. The room was simple, but good enough for what he needed it for. Fatigue was beginning to creep into his limbs, and he could feel the itch of sleep grow behind his eyes. The Inquisitor's letter bag stood against the bedside table, neatly placed out of the way, and his hat and coat hung on the back of the door. The only thing out of place in the small but comfortable room was the glyph drawn with white chalk across the floorboards of the bedroom. Blackwood had traced it shortly after closing the door of the bedroom for the evening. The last thing he had seen before the door closed upon its hinges was the terrified eyes of Mr. Shaw glaring at him from the darkness of the hallway. There was anger and hate in them, too. The glyph across the floor would act as a ward against intruders. Anyone, or anything, that entered the room without his permission would trigger the ward and a siren loud enough to crack the windows would be set off. He couldn't be sure of the actions of Mr. Shaw. Not that he would get much sleep this night, but the last thing Blackwood wanted was to deal with a father, driven to madness by fear and love, sneaking into his room and trying something foolish. And Mr. Shaw was not the only person in the inn to concern him. Mary was a threat, too. He'd locked the door to her room before leaving, and the key now lay on his bedside table. But still, there was no certainty what the girl was capable of, especially under the influence of a witch. The ward would stop any attempt by the old ways to enter the room. The Inquisitor walked over to the table standing against the wall and placed the black coin from his trouser pocket upon its surface. The token was light and normal in all regards, the absence of magic reducing it to nothing but a dark coin. He held his fingers over it for a moment, just to be sure there were no vibrations in it. Stiffness had already settled in the forearm of the hand that held the coin against Mary Shaw earlier. The black coins of the Citadel had been the first tools crafted for the Inquisition's war against the Fey. He sat at the table and put the sharer down alongside the black coin. The sharer, crafted from the wood of the great tree Melendil, was the dreaded weapon of an inquisitor, equally feared by people in magic kind. If anything were to enter his room, Blackwood would be sure to have the sharer ready. 
the Inquisitor walked over to his letter bag, and from a concealed sleeve withdrew a thick tome bound in black leather. It was a hollowed book, and pressed into the cover was the venerable symbol of the citadel, the double cross enclosed by a ring. It was a rare copy of the dark grimoire, known as Malleus Maleficarum, the handbook of the Inquisition. Blackwood returned to the table with the heavy book cradled in his hands and took a seat. He put the book before him, and as he stared at the embossed symbol on its cover, Blackwood recalled the sequence of the vision once again, interrogating each element. There was the place of nothingness, where only darkness resided. Cold dread quickly followed after thoughts of that place. He was certain it was part of the spell cast upon him, but there was a part of him that believed it to be a real place. It was a ludicrous thought, but it stayed with him nonetheless. Then came the visions of the town consumed by fire and ash, the Baldurim and the purge beyond the hilltop. Blackwood slowed the scene as it unfolded behind his eyes one more time. Seven girls, all tied to stakes and put to death. The Baldrim, the honor guard of the emperors, had ceased to exist even before the end of the Second War of Religions. They had all been annihilated in the defense of the last emperor, Pengalion. At what was now known as the Tylene Massacre, the presence of the Baldrim in the visions, if any of it could be considered true at all, put the scene at least a century ago. With practiced care, Blackwood opened the codex and turned its pages. He trawled through its chapters, scanning over diagrams and articles drafted in black ink. The grimoire possessed the dark history of the old ways, and all the secrets of its legions. Blackwood paged over chilling sketches of demonic fiends and perilous imps. He looked over the notes on warlocks and druids and all manners of perversion conjured by their foul powers. It was the accounts of witchcraft he was after. Tediously, he compared the vision to the secret history of witches and sorcerers in the Malleus Maleficarum, looking for another anchor that could explain what the witch had shown him. The last hours of the night slowly passed when he came upon an account that touched on the vision. The Seven Sisters. He read the trailing handwriting slowly, as it chronicled the destruction of an entire town by firestorm and the execution of seven witches. It was a tale that every Inquisitor knew, one told and learnt from the time when the ancient Fey, strongest in the old ways, still walked the earth. A cold shiver ran through Blackwood. How did he not recognize the details in the vision before? If this witch had anything to do with the Seven Sisters, then he was certain he and Fee could do little more to save Mary Shaw. Yet he would try. It was his duty as an Inquisitor, even if it meant facing his own doom. He closed the grimoire and gripped the handle of the Shar before standing from the table. He glanced out of the window one last time, 
the incessant irritation of fatigue clawing at the back of his eyes. The witch's voice still haunted him. Killer of children. Those words taunted him. Blackwood withdrew to the bed and lay down on the top of blankets. The mattress was soft, and he welcomed what small pleasure the comfort gave his weary body. He peered through the darkness at the ceiling above and traced the fine cracks across the plaster. Sleep came quickly, although it was shallow and restless, and the last thought that crossed his mind as he succumbed to its embrace was the vengeance of a mother. The next morning in Westgrave was sullen. The suffocating blanket of fog still hung over the town, and beyond the window of the inn, the white gloom seemed implacable. By the time the Inquisitor and his apprentice sat to take their breakfast, bread, sausages, eggs, and coffee, the common room was trembling with whispers. Those who sat at the scattered tables stared at the two men unashamedly. By the looks on their faces, not only had the news of an Inquisitor spread, as Blackwood suspected, but it appeared that the events in Mary Shaw's room had also reached the ears of everyone. Mr. Shaw hunkered behind the bar, as he had the night before, the red lions of a sleepless night ringing his eyes. His face was grim and resigned, and although he served the men, he did so with disdain, as if they were the cause of his daughter's cursed condition. Blackwood was used to it. This was the treatment fitting for an Inquisitor. After all, they were heralds of dark omens and traitors in death. He ignored the man's disposition, as well as the stares of the other village folk. The fate of Mary Shaw was still uncertain. He had to come to believe the girl was a mere pawn in the schemes of the witch. But he could not rule out the possibility that the girl herself had come to inherit the powers of the old ways. Either way, a shadow hung over the girl, and he knew it would be by his hand that her fate would be determined. From the looks of it, everyone else had come to realize this too. The two men kept to themselves and ate their breakfast in silence. Fee looked worn, the youth gone from his face and his usually combed hair was now unkempt and hung over his brow in thick brown curls. The young man hadn't bothered shaving either, a healthy gain of stubble covering his jawline. Blackwood had little sleep. What rest came to him was disrupted by nightmares. He kept dreaming of the girl tied to the stake, her face beaten, her clothes torn, and the fire that consumed her from the toes up. It was the same nightmare repeating itself, always ending with the face of the witch, hidden at the edge of the firelight, killer of children. He felt as tired as Fee looked, but he suppressed the fatigue. There was a lot more to be demanded of he and his apprentice before they could leave Westgrave. This he knew, 
It was only a question of how quickly the sequence of the coming events would unravel. Apart from nightmares, other things had come to him while he tossed and turned. During the night, he had stitched together everything he had come to learn from Fee in the visitation in Mary Shaw's room. He held little doubt that his assumption would more likely be true than false. Blackwood sipped his coffee and scraped the last piece of bread through the remnants of the egg on his plate and put it in his mouth. Whether innocent or inherent, Mary Shaw was at the heart of the witch's scheme, and although that remained hidden for now, he was sure the witch would stop at nothing until the girl was completely in her possession. Taking into account the stories of the traveling peddler, the witch had already taken three other girls into her possession. Darker than all these things, Blackwood hoped his deepest suspicions weren't true. The tale of the seven sisters picked at him. There were many things he needed to speak to Fee about, and none of it he wished to discuss within the common room of the candle and cask. The Inquisitor poured the dregs of his coffee into his mouth, and swallowed with a grimace. The dark brew was mostly burnt, nowhere near the quality he was used to in Gothheim, but he'd need the drink's medicinal qualities to hold the fatigue from the last night at bay. Fee had barely touched his food, pushing pieces of sausage and bread around the plate like a spoiled child. The boy still had a long way to go before he was ready to take his rights, and if they were to see through the end of the strange happenings in Westgrave, perhaps his apprentice would be one step closer. He hoped, at the very least, Fee's fortitude would be more resolute. He pushed his chair away from the table and stood up, taking his wide-brimmed hat from the back of the chair. Follow me, Fee. The morning air would do us good, he said flatly. The hardness in his voice carried through the common room, silencing the hushed whispers amongst the village folk. The morning air would do them good, but he was growing tired of the stares from the locals, and there was much for them to discuss. Outside the inn, the air was cold and damp from the fog. Visibility was poor and what little sunlight managed to penetrate the weather cast an eternal twilight. Only a few feet could be made out ahead of them, and Blackwood looked out at the cobbled road disappearing into the white beyond. To his left, he could see the line of lamps now unlit, disappearing into the distance too. Little of the village could be seen in the gray, and it felt like they were the only two living souls in the place. No sounds carried through the unnatural weather. The weather was always in the realm of witches. The Inquisitor spat into the fog and placed his hat on his head. In the poor light, the wide brim cast a deep shadow over his face. He walked down the stairs leading to the street, and his apprentice followed. The two men walked in silence up the road their boots scraping across the cobbled ground. To either side, houses passed by like moored ships on distant banks. The window shuddered against the weather. When it seemed safe to talk without the risk of eavesdroppers, 
Blackwood looked at his apprentice from beneath the brim of his hat. Tell me, Fee, what did you see last night? As the two men made their way up the main road of Westgrave, wading through the fog, Fee recounted his experiences of the past night to his master. He spoke of the spell Mary had to cast on the Inquisitor. He told of the shadow and how the witch emerged from the darkness. He left little detail from his account of the events, and the more he spoke, the better he felt, as if every word expelled the fear in his heart. The Inquisitor could also sense the young man's composure return as he told his story, and Blackwood kept his tongue even, though some parts of the apprentice's tale sparked questions. He found it particularly interesting how the witch had appeared to him in the same manner twice, hiding behind Mary Shaw, announcing her intentions more aggressively each time. Fee blushed as he mentioned his arousal, but Blackwood comforted him, discarding it as nothing more than an effect of her magic. Fee concluded his account, and Blackwood picked up the baton and began to tell his apprentice of his experience. Like Fee, he left out no detail, explaining to the young man how the spell had overcome him. He spoke of the place, of nothingness, and of the vision upon the hilltop. The air seemed to grow cooler, and the fog thicker, as the Inquisitor spoke of these things. Fee wrapped his coat closely around his chest, and listened intently to the words of his master. It was only when Blackwood's words fell silent and stopped along the road that Fee realized where they were. Fee looked around, and although he could barely see through the walls of white around them, he recognized where they stood. The Inquisitor had led them to the place where Fee had first seen the witch on that night not so long ago. Fee looked at Blackwood with apprehension. The Inquisitor had been leading them here the whole time. Against the white murk surrounding them, the Inquisitor looked like a dreadful revenant, his dark eyes gleaming from beneath the brim of his hat, and after long moments of silence, as if contemplating his words, Blackwood spoke. Or do you know the Seven Sisters? His voice was hard and alien in the otherworldly surroundings. The Inquisitor looked into the fog, his eyes casting a distant stare, as if he could see what lurked beyond its curtain. Fee remained quiet. The name of it sounded familiar, like the name of a person that eluded the tip of the tongue. Seven sisters. He repeated it over and over again, rolling it from one corner of his memory to another. And then it dawned upon him. Yes, I recall that story. It's one told to all children, to set a fear of witches into their bones. Blackwood took a step forward, and with a gentle turn of his hand, he motioned Fee to follow. He looked ahead, into the fog, hands folded behind his back. 
and a solemn tone came over his voice as he began to speak. The tale of the Seven Sisters is both known and unknown, known simply because of the commonalities it shares with every other tale from the Dark Ages. Witches put to the stake in subtle light in the name of the Emperor. It's a tale as common as a child's fear of bugbears. After all, the purge of witches is a household story, is it not? Fee nodded, both his hands tucked into the pockets of his coat. As common as a tale of an inquisitor skulking into the crypts to vanish the sleeping undead, the apprentice agreed. Blackwood made a strange sound, and for a moment, Fee took it to be the beginning of a laugh. The Inquisitor never laughed, though. He cleared his throat again. The undead never sleep. The darkness of the underground is a mere sanctuary, he said matter-of-factly. This time Fee managed a short laugh. His master was incapable of humor. Perhaps he would become the same once he survived the rites. It was said the rites had strange effects on those who came out the other side. Blackwood's raised eyebrow reigned in the apprentice's wandering thoughts. This was no time for laughter, and perhaps that was his apprentice's strongest attribute. The Inquisitor continued at the pace he set, following the cobbled road as it began to bend up a gentle slope. Tales like those shared amongst villagers and townsfolk. Tales about witches and undead hold little truth. They are merely rumor and conjecture. The tale of the Seven Sisters is different, and no matter which version you hear told, there are many for a tale as old as this. The same truths lie at its heart. Truths other than what are told in the tale? Fee asked. Blackwood shot the apprentice a look that would have caused any other man's stride to falter. And what are those? Blackwood questioned. The young man had a sharp mind, and although he may still hesitate before the horrors of the old ways, he never paused before asking a question. The Seven Sisters, Fee recited, as if he were a child again. Or rather... The story of how seven witches were pulled from the wilds surrounding Megan and put to the stake for their use of black magic and practice in the old ways. In the broadest strokes, that is correct, Blackwood countered. That is the tale known by villagers and townsfolk. The tale told to frighten children. But there are no truths to the tale that are only known by the Citadel written in the pages of the Malleus Maleficatum. Fee dared to give his master a doubtful stare. The Inquisitor's referral to the Black Codex of the Inquisition, the darkest grimoire in the possession of the Order, was enough to raise alarm bells in his mind. After months in the service of Blackwood, he had come to learn his master's ways. And if he had learnt anything, the Inquisitor was working his way towards linking whatever he had to say about the Seven Sisters with what they were dealing with here in Westgrave. If that was the case, and if they were to face what was the subject of any text held within the Black Codex, if he could do nothing to stop the shiver that crawled down his back. 
Seven witches burned at the stake, the Inquisitor continued. That is true. But pulled from the wilds, no, that is not. The witches, and all sisters to each other in blood as well as magic, were found in the town of Megan, not in the wilds surrounding it. By the time the hunting force caught the trail of the sorceresses and followed the plague left in their wake, those men who could still bear arms found the women in control of the town, ruling as queens over the folk they had enslaved there. It is written that the townsfolk, under the domain of the witches' foul enchantments, took to eating each other, stringing what remained of the dead along the streets as monuments to their new rulers. The Baldurim who led the hunting party finally made their way to the witches by fighting their way through the thralls that were once the free people of Megan, and capturing the witches. The horrors witnessed in the town were abominable. The Baldurim captain ordered the town to be burnt to the ground. Not one brick would be left untouched by the flames. By the time the sun rose on the desolation of Megan, all seven witches had joined the clouds of ash that soured the morning sky. The road began to flatten out again as the two men continued to walk. By now the houses were becoming fewer, the intervals between their dark hulks in the fog becoming more pronounced. Your vision, she exclaimed. What you saw last night was a vision of what happened in Megan. I believe so. Blackwood agreed in a hushed tone. But it doesn't make sense, the apprentice argued. What would the events in Megan, or anything that happened so long ago, have anything to do with Mary Shaw and Westgrave? The young man's questions were valid, despite what theories he could come up with to link Megan to the witch at hand. Blackwood could not give his apprentice an answer. I do not know, he firmly admitted. But whatever it is, the she-devil we encountered last night found it apt enough to break her shroud to show me what she did. Perhaps it's a warning, or perhaps she did not mean to reveal so much to me at all. That could have been the work of the coin. Fee's mind worked furiously, trying to make sense of the tale of Megan, as his master had told it, and everything else they had encountered. The peddler at the inn spoke of three other girls who had been taken by the witch. Mary Shaw, should we fail, would become the fourth. Blackwood looked at his apprentice and watched as the young man worked through his thoughts. A different approach to the same set of facts may prove to be fruitful. A fresh set of eyes, as they would say. When the Inquisitor did not interrupt him, Fee continued along his line of thought. What if this witch is looking to collect sisters? Perhaps not the purest sense of bloodline, but in the ways of magic and the workings of the old ways. Blackwood nodded, encouraging his apprentice to continue. What if she's gathering? You've always taught me that those true in the old ways are sensitive to those who are to become inherent, as if they are attracted to those souls in some way. Like bees are drawn to nectar. As much as we know the old tales, so do the magic kind, surely. 
What if she's looking to recreate the tale of the Seven Sisters? Blackwood paused and turned to face Fee, the Inquisitor's breath appearing before his face in a faint cloud that barely stood out against the fog. And what if she is simply preying on the innocent to feed on her power? Fee had heard of bats that did something similar, drinking the blood of livestock for food. It was easier to think of a witch acting alone than it was to think of the birth of an entire coven. But then, the old ways worked in ways stranger than men could understand. So what do we do now? He asked of Blackwood. The Inquisitor paused and pointed ahead. Now we wait, he said flatly. Ahead of them, the fog seemed to swirl with the movement of air as if a breeze disturbed its all-encompassing cover. Through the drifting white, Fee could make out tall structures, too irregularly shaped to be man-made, looming before them. Trees. As the silent wind moved the curtain of fog along its current, brakes appeared, and Fee could see the dark trees, twisted and gnarled, stand before them like an ancient wall. The hooked and ragged branches reminded him of the witch's terrible fingers, and another shiver ran down his back. Blackwood peered into the gloom with intent, his dark, brooding eyes looking for something within the deep shadows of the tangled boffs. Fee shifted nervously. Wait for what? Blackwood revealed the black coin of the citadel resting in the palm of his hand, and considered it for a moment. The witch knows I am here, and she knows that I bring with me the power of the citadel. She will not wait long to take its prize. Mary Shaw, Fee confirmed. Closing his fist around the coin, the Inquisitor nodded and then placed it back into his pocket. It may not be this evening, or the next, but it will come soon enough. It knows that the longer I have to whittle away at the spell that holds the girl, the less power it will have control of the girl's soul. And if it waits long enough, its power to fight against my authority will be too far diminished to be of any consequence. The air suddenly felt colder, and the shadows amongst the veiled boffs seemed all the more menacing. Of what could be seen beyond the drifting banks of fog, the woods looked like a dreadful place. Thick trunks grew upward, their heavy branches entangling with one another like roots, so that one tree seemed to grow into another. Great mounds of roots rose and fell from the ground like the backs of burrowing serpents. It was a place dark creatures and wolves would call home. And to Fee, it felt like eyes were staring at him from the deepest shadows beneath the mangled canopy. Although there was a good stretch of ground between where they stood and where the thick undergrowth began, he no longer wished to linger upon the border of trees. He glanced at the Inquisitor, and saw his master still looking into the depths of the wood, as if he could feel the eyes, too. But instead of shrinking away, he chose to challenge their hidden stares. 
Do you think it's in there? Fee finally asked, the words catching in the back of his throat. Blackwood answered without taking his eyes from the tree line. The children spoke of the lady in the woods, didn't they? Fee's heart grew even colder. Yes, yes they did. Off in the distance, somewhere in the bowels of the woods, the high screech of a bird could be heard. It was sharp and quick, and then the suffocating silence returned. Fee felt some relief when the Inquisitor turned his back to the trees and began to make his way down the cobbled street back toward the center of the village. He followed quickly, still feeling the invisible eyes on the back of his neck as he hurried after Blackwood. What do we do next? he asked as he came on the Inquisitor's shoulder. For the first time since the Inquisitor arrived in Westgrave, his eyes flashed with a dangerous sense of fortune. The shadow cast by the wide brim of his hat made the look even more intimidating. We wait, said Blackwood plainly. This has been Blackwood, a Gothheim tale. Adapted for audio from the works of Clyde Davis. You can find the print version of this story on paperback through Amazon. Continue supporting Clyde by subscribing to Narrative on Substack, where you can find new stories from him weekly. This podcast is narrated and sound designed by Alex Schiffer, with intro and outro music by Josh Fisher. Album art is done by Waldo Buckner, who you can find on Instagram. Thank you for listening. And join us next time for more Blackwood.